0: I like checking out charts, because charts rule. Charts are a handy-dandy scientific tool. They give you information so you can decide. Charts help you visualize. You get the picture, so do I. Hello. Hey, Merlin. Hi, Dan. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I almost closed your window. I'm closing windows. No, don't close windows. Mm -mm 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 -mm. I'm doing fine. We're talking
1: quiet today. Soft Windows. Soft. Did you use Microsoft Windows?
0: Yes. For about a mm, year and a half.
1: That's it? Like your whole – that's your whole career with Microsoft? hmm
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Man, I had to use it forever. For so, Like at home, I always had a Mac. But at so many places I worked, it was always Windows, Windows. Windows.
0: I know i told the story a million times, but it was uh, when I was um, doing very lightweight web development. I was mainly doing web design, but. Like I, cold
1: fusion. This was your cold this fusion. This was my cold part. fusion period. Right. Yeah, my, <laughs> yeah. And everybody did
0: cold fusion. So if I, I had this idea for a product, a project, and I, I had some, I thought kind of fun ideas for how to design it. And they're like, yeah, you, you but you got to make it. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> I don't know about that. You guys are nerds. <laughs> I'm a cool guy with tiny glasses who likes Helvetica. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't roll with that. And I don't, I don't know about making no cold fusion. Um, and so my boss gave me a very, very, very old, like 386, like packed it up and sent it to my house where I was working. And yeah, he used that. Um, yeah. And, and my main thing I remember about it was that, um, we just actually talked about this a little bit on, um, Roderick on the line this week. I remember that I used it to stream, I want to say Rhapsody, whatever Rob Reed's streaming service was back in the day. It was, but it was only available on a Mac and in some ways, it was way ahead of its time. It was really cool that like you didn't have to go like go to LimeWire to get music. Like you could just stream stuff right from that. That and I remember the utter chaos of after a few days in when I slightly acquainted myself with this utterly baffling OS. It was baffling to me. Like the whole start menu thing was just it was all so strange to me. After at that point, even. I don't know. Thirteen years of using a Mac, right?
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: But I would. But the funny part was that, like, then I I'd, do, I'd doop 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 application dot application.cfm, beep bop, beep up, and then I'd go over back to the Mac, my Yosemite G three, and would be like, ah, the buttons are wrong on both. Like I got equally bad at both. Both dragged my mojo down in the same right. way. Right. Right. But so, but like, does, does that happen for you? Like when you're doing stuff. I don't know how how do do those modal shifts happen for you? Do you like find yourself settling into like oh, I'm in Bash and things work this way, or like I'm on Windows and it works that way? That's a probably a good question. I'm pretty a good, good at question. It's not a good question.
1: I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm pretty good at separating that. Like there's a different mindset for me. That's not to say that like I'm I'm not writing something in a you know Bash shell and I'm like man I I should have done this in Ruby or something like that. Like but it's it's not. Like, I don't find that I get confused within the context of writing code because the languages are so different, you know, that
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's almost like I, I, if, you know, with my limited uh, knowledge of Spanish, I can say that, like, I imagine perhaps it's like if you're s- multilingual, like everyone should be, uh, you know, and you're speaking to someone in French, you know, you might say to yourself, oh, wait, wait. I know the word in my native language of Spanish, but I can't remember the French word for it. Like that kind of stuff happens all the time, but you never just start speaking Spanish in the middle of a French conversation. If that, I don't know. It
0: does make is. sense. And I think the bash example for me is, is pretty good where I know just enough to be extremely dangerous. And I really rely on my <laughs> profile to not bash. You
1: know, bash scripting is incredibly dangerous. Just it is. Keep,
0: da- but like, here's the funny thing. <laughs> there should be a
1: warning. Label. The reason
0: I say it's like Spanish in particular, because I've had a little bit of Spanish, uh, I've taken the Spanish language classes, um, is that I can kind of suss out what somebody is saying. Yeah. If, if, especially if they're trying to communicate with me. And as I always like to say in these situations, their Spanish, their, their um, their English is way better than my Spanish, <laughs> but people will sometimes very patiently talk to you. And I can usually kind of suss out what people are saying. That's right. a long way away from being able to write a paragraph in proper Spanish without any help. And with bash, I could maybe look at a lines and roughly understand what it's going to do. But like, I would never be able to create that myself without pulling out my O'Reilly book.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And still like a lot of, a lot of programming is like essentially pulling out your book. In other words, looking at, uh, looking at the API for, especially for languages like Java, which I don't do very much of anymore, where everything is just looking up what the API is and, you know, and, and and coding. Did you say Java it. or JavaScript? Java. Jo- oh God. Oof. Yeah, I haven't done Java in a long time, but uh, you know, it, it it it's where we are now. Like I remember when Ruby, and then very shortly after Ruby on Rails was like really new and cutting edge and super cool. And I saw somebody posted on Twitter. Uh, I guess their GitHub occasionally releases like. Um, Uh, completely anonymous stats though but they're like stats of like what developers are using most because you know github knows based on things like file extensions what language you're you're typing in so if you were to create a rails project and add it to github it sees all the .rb files and knows that they're ruby files and knows that they're rails or ruby so it's pretty easy for it to detect like what are most people doing? What are people writing code in most of the time? And, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, like a lot of these newer languages, whether it's like, um, Elixir and go and node, like those are the ones that are written in, but like, you know, you might see like a slow, I wouldn't say Ruby's on the decline, but it's not growing like it used to be. And, right. and, and, you know, JavaScript, Node.js, JS, things like that are exploding on GitHub, exploding. I think in the developer community as a whole, and, you know, it's so interesting because for so long, uh, I remember back in college, they were teaching Modula and Turbo Pascal. That was like, you know, that was like where things were then. And then I remember learning C and it, for so long, it was like, that was just, that was like if you were writing code, like you were doing that. And then this thing called PHP came around and ColdFusion was there. And, the you know, nowadays, I think, Developers are almost expected to know to be to have multiple disciplines, to know multiple languages, to know how to do a lot of different things. Whereas maybe even ten years ago, it was fine to say, no, I I just code in Java. Like that's I'm a Java developer. Now you're almost expected to know a handful of different languages, at the very least, be able to code up user interface design in JavaScript as well as whatever you're doing on the back end. And it you know, I gosh, Cold Fusion was such a wonderful uh, a wonderful introduction, I would say, to doing development. It was I used to use it for prototyping stuff all the time because you could just crank stuff out with it. It fast. had such a good
0: IDE. It um, really did. It, it's something that, like, to e- even now. I mean, I, I guess this stuff. Maybe Xcode does this. I don't use Xcode. I don't have any need to use it. But back then, it was really. I it was the one thing I feel like. Well, maybe two things that I envied about the Windows guys and gals was on the one hand, they got to be normal and they got to feel like normal people and they could talk about computers and not sound like a child. But I also really envied watching people use um, – was it HomeSite? Watching people use the IDE for Cold Fusion, where it would just – all the stuff from your various libraries would just like pop in. It would just auto-populate, auto-complete these things that would otherwise take such a long time to type. And, you you know, you get that to some extent even with – I'm still on TextMate 1. Like you still get that. But, I mean, it was built – I think it was built from the bottom up to be a Cold Fusion IDE. And uh, what was the one for um, Java? I know this. Yeah. I'm try- profile. I used one called Eclipse. Eclipse. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Where it was
1: just drawing lines. It was absolutely – Absolutely insane when you're building a user interface with that, the number of little lines because every button or every click or everything could potentially trigger some kind of activity. And so you're drawing these lines and these projects we used to do because I did this at work where just you'd open this thing, it would take it would take your slow old, you know, pentium hours to just draw this thing before you could start working with it it's so frustrating but she
0: had the beauty of the swing interface it was so yeah. sublime
1: swing oh uh, i just so put a couple, I put a couple
0: links in notes uh, that are kind of related to this it's a, a really uh, sometimes i just listen to podcasts because i like the people but sometimes i also listen because it's a viewport into a world that i don't need to know about but choose to find it interesting right so um friend of the show um Marco Arment and underscore David Smith do a show called Under the Radar where they talk about a different, mostly Apple development thing every week. And it covers a lot of stuff. But I think in some ways my favorite episodes of that show, I just put two in notes, are the ones where they talk about the somewhat inelegant hacks that they use. Right. And let me see if I can find what I just linked to here. Um, the, or they had a recent one that I think you might find really interesting uh, where they talked about stuff that they can kind of get away with was called yeah here we go productivity by inefficiency um, <laughs> adopting inefficient hacks to save developer time since hardware is so fast that it's often a worthwhile trade-off it just made me think gosh what a different and interesting time it is now to be able to do like a hack in the true sense of the word like the stuff that you can do with json now is is you can be so blazingly fast with this this <laughs> egregiously kind of verbose, like this equals that. Blah, this is like just this big blob of data. The stuff that you can do, like in migrating things and and moving libraries around, all the stuff that you can do with just the brute force of what's on, like an iPhone ten at this point. That uh, it's really interesting to think about, like how that changes. There must be some part of you that's like, oh, like in my CS class, I would never get away with this. This is so inefficient. You know, for, you know, given the resources that were available. And now today, right. there's so much you can do where, you know, the thing that saves you the most time and gives the user the most flexibility might be something that just leverages the insane power that resides in all of our pockets <laughs> right now. And then you can get right. away with it and it works and it's like dependable.
1: Yeah, and there's something to be said for, you know, building something that works and making something work. You know, it's like, yes, people always talk, especially in the Ruby community, about elegant code. And Ruby is heralded as, like, this language that you – you know, I've even seen some very prominent Ruby developers say – Uh, You don't don't even need to document your code. In fact, documenting your code is a crutch because Ruby is so elegant and so readable that anyone should just be able to read your code and just know what's going on just by looking at it. And I there is that is true most of the time. But, you know, I almost feel like that encourages the bad habit of getting lazy and not. Not documenting stuff, but yeah, I mean, leveraging the CPUs that we have. Sometimes that just makes sense. It's okay to be a little bit—I don't want to use the word sloppy, but maybe I should use it. You know, sloppy code, like if it works, ship it, kind of thing. Go back and make it more optimized later if if you need to, because there is this and I was guilty of this for many years of just wanting to write something that's elegant, Mm -hmm. wanting to write something that maybe looks good and is, is perfect and really, really just beautiful code that you could show off like a badge to anyone. And, you know, and then there's something that says, you know what, this feature works and we don't know if it's going to like a good example of this is uh, like RSS feed generation uh, and, and, how I was doing that in um, in Fireside for a while, and it, of course, you know, you can imagine that generating an RSS feed, it's pretty straightforward. But there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of information there that needs to be pulled out because if you're looking at a whole RSS feed for hundreds of episodes, it's essentially like. Everything in the database for that podcast is being pulled out for the most part mm-hmm. and displayed in an RSS feed because it's got to have all the episodes, all the descriptions, the, well, the titles, show, the, the tags. Notes,
0: and, I mean, w- thing that I would run into with some services w- was that you know there would be an up- upper limit on how much you know, how big the RSSV could be in terms of megabytes. And if you have tons of show notes in the early days right. of Roderick, we would have so many show notes and links in there. And even like FeedBurner would really choke on it because yeah. there was so much stuff in there. You got to get it all controlled, right? You got to update all the update dates. There's just so much stuff that goes into producing that text file.
1: There really is. And it is, it is just a text file, but those things can get monstrous. And so generating those was like really a bottleneck for a while in CPU. And I had just, I had written it and said, this works, you know, it doesn't need to be any better now until it needs to be better. And then once there was a thousand podcasts in there, it was time to say, okay, I guess, I guess now we need to rewrite this and do some things with uh, what's, you know, like caching and more things that are, that that make it more uh, effective. And, um after after that was done it saved uh like ninety percent of CPU cycles. It was ninety percent faster once uh once that, that had been worked on and, and improved. So like that's the kind of thing that, you know, at some point you gotta say, okay, it's time to like now is the right time to make something more elegant or now is the right time to devote time on this. But it's so easy to kind of get bogged down in a project by saying like every line I write has to be elegant, every method I create has to be like pure and perfect.
0: Yeah. I'm very much an outsider and a stranger to this stuff. I don't have a lot of truly technical expertise, but I'm also intrigued by, I understand the desire to want it to be, to be elegant. And if you're working on your own thing and you're the only person who touches it, that can be like a a fun part of the project or a challenging part of the project. But the other part then is thinking about, I guess what you could generally call scalability Alongside what you might call risk management, so like right. if, if and when something comes along, what if I have to regenerate all of these for some reason? What if something I don't know? What if something changes in the standard? Or what if I have to host it somewhere? You have to think about all that stuff. Where like these kludges that you can get away with when you're developing locally uh, are not gonna are not gonna be very. I hate to keep using the word scalable, but they're not going to—they're not going to age very well. When you have to go do a whole bunch of that again at some time, and maybe under pressure, like what if something goes wrong? Like what if you now have to do that with CDNs? There's all Mm -hmm. this different kind of stuff for. Like I'm really intrigued with the thinking that goes into. The kind of load balance, not load balancing, but the project management really of saying like, what's the amount of time that I can efficiently put into this to make this thing ship? But then also like, how do I have enough stuff in there that this can grow in a way that's not going to kill me when it has to grow? (laughs) Right. Not because I choose to grow, but because, you know, and again, this is something Marcus talked about a lot with Overcast, which I think is endlessly fascinating. Like the stuff he's had to go through where, as you certainly know, more and more people are getting on these these wackadoo services to like put dynamically generated ads in, and they'll oh, move, yeah. they'll move their feeds around and do their five what, like five o ones. Is that what it is? Yeah, but 301. one, three o one. They'll do their three o ones all weird, and they don't honor the old feed. and He's talked about stuff like having to say like, "Oh my god!" Like, think of a big podcast. Well, how about This American Life suddenly changes where their feed is, and no nobody's show is coming around. And he had to figure out a way to like try to transparently migrate everybody to a new feed that he could surmise they would want without bunging the old one and like it's, it's, it, and
1: that's over a lot of responsibility too isn't it?
0: it it is exactly and you know how much marco loves doing support so like <laughs> you don't want to do something that on the one hand everybody's going to bitch at you about and the other hand you know you're suddenly going to create all these you know unintentional support tickets from because you guess something about the user's desires that was not what they had intended and then now you've broken their stuff so i, I think all that stuff is is really interesting
1: so I found the uh, one of the GitHub pages. It's it's like uh, it's talking more about 2017. They call it the OctoVerse because you know how they have their little octopus little icon thing. Mm-hmm. The 15 most popular languages on GitHub. It says it's, uh, GitHub is home to open source projects written in 337 unique programming languages, Oof. but especially JavaScript. And so it shows <laughs> the number of um, the number of I guess you know whether it's it it just says 2.3 million. Uh, based on open pull requests, 2.3 2, 2. million JavaScript, 1 million Python, and Ruby is uh, fourth at 870,000 PHP below that. But this is interesting. I put this PHP in, this is higher is, than
0: I would have expected.
1: You know, people are still doing a lot in PHP. I think because PHP is one of those things that it's just – it's on almost – Every single web server in the whole world, whether it's uh, running on Apache or Nginx or whatever, uh, but it just it's so predominant, it's almost everywhere. And so being able to write something in PHP means you can code up a simple web application or a page that pulls data from a database or something like that. Uh, I mean, and PHP is a lot better than it used to be. I won't say sure. that I like it, but it's so much better than it was years ago. What changed uh, to
0: make it better?
1: You know, I think More libraries? Well, I think they kind of tried to, to, to make it a little bit more consistent. I mean, the way that it seemed was like every single function in PHP was just whatever the person who wrote it felt like doing. Like, there wasn't standards or consistent patterns within PHP. And I think around PHP 5, they started to make it better. I don't even know what version PHP's up to anymore. But the last time that I was reading through somebody's php code i looked at it and said oh this isn't this isn't so bad like i could do i could do this again I, this would be okay
0: the github icon that's not a cat
1: it's a cat it's the what do they call it? the octo uh
0: the the octo it's not, it's not super important but i always assumed it was a cat it is well it is a cat you know i miss, i miss a lot of puns but it's an octo
1: like cat meaning puss octopus mm-hmm. get it so i'll anyway, we'll keep it pg here octopus, but uh, that's very good yeah
0: that's what it is the only way i can really um thrive is to just not understand a lot of puns if i understood more puns i'd lose my mind
1: yeah no i don't blame
0: me it's the worst that's a really pretty page i'm glad you put that notes dan where would people find show notes for episode pooba Pooh uh three six six of your back to work program
1: ah five by five dot tv slash B is in brothers. Two is in the number. W is in women. Slash three six six.
0: Three, six six.
1: Yeah, um, that's not the that is not the chart that I was looking for, but it's pretty cool.
0: It's very pretty. I like sites. You know the web. Well, there's another than one called Get Hut. Get Hut.
1: Get Get Hut. Get. 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 And I'll put that, that. has some charts on it too. I'll put those in there. Why not?
0: I like checking out charts because charts rule. Charts are handy dandy. How's that go? Did you ever watch the Science Kid? Were you ever into that? um no i don't mm, you kids weren't into that that was my kids first favorite tv show i like checking out charts because charts rule charts are a handy <laughs> dandy scientific tool they give you information so you can decide charts help you visualize you get the picture so do i do you get the sense that i maybe watched that tv show a lot a few years ago <laughs> you, you do know the song pretty well it's a really good pop song i'll try to find it while i'm doing that why don't you tell somebody uh about uh, tell tell people about something you like
1: I'll tell I'll tell anyone who wants to listen about it.
0: I shouldn't try to talk and type. it. Any,
1: anyone who wants to hear about Casper, I'll tell them about oh, Casper.
0: Oh, Casper. You guys know Casper. What
1: is Casper? Casper is a yeah. sleep brand.
0: It's a, it's a brand. Let's talk it's about something brand. important.
1: It continues to revolutionize products that mm-hmm. create an exceptionally comfortable sleep experience. You, would you say they're One focused, night say they're at focused a time. on sleep? The, I would say that, yeah. yeah.
0: They want you and, to be exceptionally uh, comfortable. This is a thing I've heard.
1: Well, and here's the thing about being comfortable at night. I, so many of us, and this was true for me for a long time, uh, you, get, you get a mattress and it, it, it sits there on top of your bed frame and you sleep on it. These are things that happen at home. And eventually you realize five, 10, maybe even more than 10 years have gone by and you say, you know, my bed's fine. Like, what, what do I need? I don't need a different bed. This is fine. It feels good. But what's been going on for the last five or 10 years mm-hmm. is that every single day that mattress has been breaking down and, and falling apart. Forget like the nasty stuff. I'm just yeah. saying like the, the ability of the can't, mattress can't to support the nasty
0: you. stuff. But <laughs> you know what it is? It's like the uh, mythical frog in the mythical water, right? You don't even realize. You don't even realize what a dumpster fire you're sleeping in.
1: That's right. Mm-hmm. Until maybe you go to a, you know, stay with some friends or at a hotel or something. You're like, I got a great night's sleep. I guess my mattress is actually maybe a piece of crap, mm-hmm. and you realize there's there's more to life than this, mm-hmm. and so that's what can, where it can be different is what you realize. In. That's right.
0: Thirty year life. Thirty year your life. You're on the bed. Thirty. Well, if you're lucky, <clears throat> not everybody. Some people sleep sleep a lot less probably because they're sleeping in a dumpster fire. They can. That's use right. That's a freebie.
1: You don't even know. You think you're getting bad sleep. You don't know why. Yeah. It's probably your mattress. Probably your mattress. So, what Casper mattresses have is they combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface that has uh, the right comfort level, what they call the, sink, the right amount of sink and bounce. It's breathable, so you're going to sleep cool. It helps you regulate your body temperature. Uh, these things have been designed, developed, and assembled in the United States, and uh, they're really great. They have now three mattress models. They have the original, which is the one I'm most familiar with, but they also have one that's called the Wave. One that 's called the essential and uh, and they 're not just a mattress company anymore; they have more products that are all designed to help you sleep better so it 's worth going to the website uh, to go check this stuff out. Uh, you can go to casper.com slash back to work but here 's the thing you 're buying you 're buying a mattress over the internet and you say to yourself mm-hmm. i i don 't know about that that seems well, now i 'm locked into a mattress no you 're not locked in. Do you get a hundred night risk free sleep on it trial you get to try this thing in your own house in your own environment for a hundred nights sleeping on it if you're not happy they come and refund you and they take it out of there hmm. and, uh, and that's just genius I have one I know you've got several <laughs> super comfortable and uh, anyway if you'd like to learn more if it's time for you to maybe reevaluate your sleeping situation you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com backtowork back to work when you find the one you want Maybe you find five, Maybe you want five mattresses. Yeah, I don't, do do that. I, they'll bring you five, five mattresses, five judge boxes. You. Back to work. All one word is a code to use at checkout. Uh, they want me to say, Merlin, that terms and conditions apply. I'll allow so it. So, casper.com slash back to work. Code is
0: back to work. Go check it out. Thanks, Casper. That's a good mattress. Yeah, I, don't, I, I got an old, not an old mattress. I've got the, uh, the OG. So, I, I don't know what they're doing with the new ones, but I got it's pretty special. They know from sleep. Uh, yeah,
1: no, I have the OG also. I don't, know about, I don't know about the new. Maybe we need to get some new ones. In. Like I'm
0: missing out? I might be missing out.
1: I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I haven't tried one. You got 100 nights to try it.
0: 100 though. nights. Try it out. I sent you the link there in, in Skype.
1: Okay, hold on. I'm, I'm,
0: clicking. Mm-hmm. I'm clicking. See if you think here. this is catchy. Going to this. You know, when you're watching children's programming, you know, any port in a storm, <laughs> if it's not Sid, excruciating. Yeah, but his friend, Gerald, his friend Gerald is a little annoying. But Every Gerald is a little annoying. Tell me about it.
1: Do you want to, Is this in the show notes for people if they want to yeah, sing it's in the along the, it's at home? In the
0: show notes, yeah. Okay, cool.
1: Yeah, say so the science kid. You not gonna play it. Oh, do you want me to play it? No, that's all right. We probably don't have copyright clearance for it. I don't want to get arrested.
0: Mm-hmm. There's PBS jackals <laughs> looking after you.
1: <laughs> I know, like, come with the sticks. <laughs> this
0: arrest comes from viewers like you.
1: What do they call them? Uh, when, like, SWAT team, I was watching the show, uh, Drug Lords.
0: Drug Lords
1: you ever seen the show on netflix drug Lords? nope <laughs> uh it's I don't watch uh, things like that <laughs> well it's it's uh it's a documentary hmm.
0: series i saw the and, fish intercourse movie hello hmm? so what do they do interdictions do uh, they do? No, they, is this the, called swatting dan is that what this is Are we talking about swatting no
1: no no, no. Okay. uh so the drug lords episodes each episode it's one of those i love kind of borderline cheesy reenactment shows, you know, <laughs> where it's like a documentary and then they'll show the like, and then, you know, and then he realized that he had, you know, worms in his eye and they'll show like the guy like looking at his eye uh, in the mirror. Like I love worms. stuff like that. Uh. So these, uh this series, it's only one season. I, I have a feeling there will only ever be one season, but maybe I'll, I'll be wrong with this. But um I had watched something about Pablo Escobar. And so this, came up in my recommendations and the first episode of drug lords which i put in the show notes is about colombian drug lord pablo escobar and how he started the whole his whole thing and what happened with it and then the second episode kind of ties into this because it talks about the cali cartel who was sort of the other uh like cartel that was going on over there and then they they completely change everything up and go, talk about uh, Frank Lucas and the Country Boys, who were – he was the heroine king. Your retention is incredible. Of New York, yeah. And then uh, the last one that I just finished today at lunch was about the Pettengill clan, who was Australia's, like, underworld drug leaders. And uh, that one was the worst episode. I didn't like that one for him. Sorry, Pettingill clan. But New- it, that episode wasn't my favorite. Uh, but the the first two were great, and uh, why am I talking about this?
0: Um, because it uh, did they have something about charts, or was it a guy named Gerald?
1: No, there's some other. There was a reason. Anyway, it's in the show notes if you want to watch it. But okay. I was watching that, and oh, that's right. So in the in the last episode,
0: yeah.
1: the um the Australians have weird lingo and stuff, mm-hmm. and so what they call a SWAT team. Are like the boys in black pajamas. Hmm. Like that's what they 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 call it. It sounds so cozy. Yeah. Hmm. So I had to look that up. That's a SWAT team. Huh? I'll be darned. Something like that. Boys, boys in the Jimmy boys pajamas, pajamas,
0: pajamas. Giant spiders.
1: Oh no! Hmm.
0: They got big spiders there
1: in Australia. Have you ever been to Australia? No. I've been near going. Australia,
0: but I've never been no to one. Australia. You went to uh, New Zealand? Yes. But um, yeah. I'm very proud of my daughter because uh, she's getting better, she's probably better than me at identifying accents. So she heard a guy, this episode I really dislike of Kitchen Nightmares, where she could recognize that the guy was from Australia. It's the one with the burger kitchen where the, where the guy stole all the money from his kid and the guy has, a, has like a Trilby hat and he has a real shrill voice. Oh, I think the mom's kind of whacked out. I think she's kind of whacked out on goofballs. This guy thinks he a guy from Australia, Barry, he thinks he makes the best burger. Here, here to tell you, buddy, that's not the best burger. His his chef, David, is the one who should be making the burgers. I've seen oh this episode four times. <laughs> Bloody hell. It's a dog's dinner. <laughs> my daughter <upset laughs> is so. Is that an
1: insult that he throws yeah, out? Yeah, and- yeah, it's like cat
0: food. But like, you know, he's got seasons and seasons of this show. So like the producers have staked out a restaurant somewhere that's in trouble and all the Yelpers and online bullies are mad about Amy's Bakery. So I don't know if the restaurants reach out to them or they reach out to the the restaurant. But but have you never seen an episode of this show? He's gonna come in there. He's gonna say your food looks like the dog's <laughs> dinner. He's gonna find lots of dust, and then he's gonna go in your in your kitchen, and he's gonna find the chicken keeping the cooked chicken with the raw chicken cross contamination. Shut it down. It happens every single time. Why do people do? do are they just rotten, finding- Muhammad, It's rotten, Mohammed. It's rotten. And then he sticks his finger in the tomato, and this big gray thing comes out. It's so uh, gross. My wife can't watch it. She, she finds it very upsetting. Why?
1: I mean, why do you think that? Is it just super rampant or are they finding the only places that You've are doing worked this?
0: in kitchens. You know how it works. There's going to be a metal container or a five-gallon bucket full of something very sad in the walk-in somewhere. But I feel like it must be something a little – see, I, I think that is a show where you can really feel how many producers have worked on it because whenever he shows up – he knows exactly where to go to find the dust. And Gordon hates dust. I'll tell you what he hates. He hates dust, he hates cross-contamination, and he hates frozen pasta. So if you're going to have pasta and you're going to say it's fresh, it better be fresh. Crab with a K? I don't think so. Shut it down! 86 Crab! And so uh, <laughs> I'm guessing the producers go in there and they check the place out, figure out where the cameras are going to go, and then feed Gordon all of the intel on, on you know where the bodies are buried. Right, so, right. Yeah, it's, you know, it's... But I feel like okay, so some, you're a Shark Tank guy, right? You watch some. Uh, yeah, Shark yeah, Tank. I
1: haven't, I haven't seen the recent ones, but I've watched most of them. No, it's okay, but you know,
0: it. you know that feeling when somebody comes out and like you can tell when they're like, "I'm hi, sharks. My name is is Bob Underpants, and I want to offer you. I'm looking for seven million dollars in exchange for five percent of my. Um, and they shoot to the barber making this face. Ooh cuz you know that person is out of their mind cuz they have right. to get the money they ask for they can change the percentage but sometimes you can just sniff it out it's some kind of Sil- silicon valley douchebag and you know he's absolutely not there for a deal he's there for the publicity right right and i i guess that's what happens on kitchen nightmares except the publicity is not good it's rotten, right it's I not good it. it's, it's going to be bad it's a it's dog's bad. dinner <laughs> Yeah, basically it shows you being feckless and confused and running around like a large adult son and, and them going through your uh, walk-in and pulling out your contaminated chickens. Whew. <laughs> it gives me the shivers to think about. If anybody wants uh, advice on where to go with either hotel hell or kitchen nightmares, let me know. I can recommend some very good episodes to watch. As like a jumping in point. You would like it, especially you would like, yes, yes, but you would like Hotel Hell because there's this thing he likes to do where he goes and he brings his little blue flashlight. He makes uh-huh. the entire staff come in and, and shows the the, uh, the spots on the on the pillowcases.
1: I mean, does it, do those come out in the wash or are they permanent? They
0: always insist that they just change the sheets, but but Gordon's got the flashlight. You know what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> well, I want to do a test of this though. I want to look at a sheet that's been, you know,
0: yeah. Yeah, contaminated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of which,
1: uh, 20th anniversary. 20th
0: anniversary. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. Oh, 20 years ago today, the dude abided. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Big Lebowski came out 20 years ago, uh, apparently today. Just give a little shout out to that.
1: So, did you see the Big Lebowski in the movie theater when it came out, or were you one of, like me and you saw it a couple years later? On, no, uh, I
0: saw on it home. in. Um, I mean, I, I feel like I very first this, – this doesn't really make sense, but I, I think it was definitely when I was still in Florida. So it had to be before 1999, which is weird because it would only have been out for a year. I feel pretty certain that it was on cable a lot on like HBO or similar. And I'm pretty sure that's where I first saw it and went like, this is really, really strange. Because that was the first movie after Fargo, right? Oh, you're right?
1: quizzing me. I don't Fargo. know. Fargo.
0: I think it was. Yeah, Fargo was 1996, Big Lebowski, 1998. And I was already a fan of theirs. I really liked, in particular, I, I'm one of those weirdos that really likes um, the Tim Robbins movie, Hutsucker Proxy. I really like that. I'm just all in on them. I, I just think they're terrific. Yeah, so it was really puzzling to people when they had just done Fargo, which won all the awards and everybody loved. And then they came out with Big Lebowski and it seemed like a very strange move. Yeah, it didn't – it doesn't really fit in. But like to me, that movie, it's like anytime – and
1: I don't have cable, so it's not like I'm flipping around watching just stuff that shows up on TV. But mm-hmm. – it's one of those movies where if it's on a service or Netflix or if I put it on Plex or whatever, yeah. uh, or iTunes, I guess I have it there too, that if, if ever I'm in a situation where I feel like watching something and I don't know what to watch, yeah. oh, you just put this on. It's like
0: You can put it on and you can watch it closely. You can put it on and have it in the background. It's a very, very good movie. We've talked about it quite a lot on here, but it is a it is a very good movie. I'm a, I'm a fan of their movies. I like it. I like seeing all the facets of what they're going to come up with. I don't love every single one of them, but I admire all of them.
1: God, it's hard to believe, though, that it was 1996. I mean, that's just... 98. 98, rather. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. That yeah, it, it was 96. 1998 and that, and that... Oh, God. Raising Arizona is 87.
0: Yeah. God. <laughs> Got you on a pretty short leash, don't you, H.I.?
1: <laughs> i miss, i got a while i'm gonna watch you gotta go get, watch, you gotta, it go
0: watch it. you gotta get in there no. okay then <laughs> <laughs> okay then
1: these doors round. are gonna swing wide Swing
0: wide. <laughs> did i just tell you not to say that? <laughs> not unless you consider round funny son you, son you got a panty on your head it's still good it's, it's still, still good. good it's 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 peak cage well that and valley girl you know, Valley Girl is very good too. It's it, you know, it's a teen movie. But Valley Girl was when I first saw him, and uh, America fell in love with uh, Nicholas Cage.
1: Miller's Crossing and Barton Fink are not the same movie.
0: Nope, totally different. Also, also Miller's Crossing is not the same movie as that other movie that came out at the same time. The uh, the other gangster movie, John Turturro. John Turturro. I have a, a little bit of follow up, not a lot. All right. I um i signed up for spotify live on air last episode and boy yeah. I, I really like spotify i mean this is not news to the rest of the freaking world but i guess i've had blinders on where i'm like I'm use Apple Music." Murr. but you know <laughs> that's that's exactly what you sound that's like that's the sound that's the sound of using <laughs> apple music <laughs> i guess i'll click here and there and there, right and i'll click there and there uh. And there's some stuff that I would like, I would change about it. Like I need to figure out a way to like, add. like don't just show me reverse chronological albums with every single track. Like that's crazy making, I want to get down to hard days night and I'm still stuck on anthology like an animal. Um, but boy, is it ever great. And so two things to just mention. Yeah. Spotify's cool. Uh, I mentioned this last week, but, um, there's an app called stamp. S D A M P all caps that you can get uh, just for even for iOS and it's an app that will move over your songs, your playlists, your whatever uh, to Spotify. So I've done it somewhat selectively. Mm-hmm. I moved over my my "Gimme Fiction" by Spoon in reverse order, Volume mm-hmm. Eight. Um, but this is a, this is a neat app. I don't want to overdo it because I don't want to. I kind of like the freshness of you know coming into this new app without all of that garbage and luggage from uh, right start fresh but boy i sure do like it and if you're somebody who is in in the echo family of products uh again super obvious to everybody but me you go into your alexa settings which is a web view and you have an opportunity this is in show notes to click on choose default music services so you can pick b your streaming service a la pandora and a your premium music streaming account So now when you talk to your dingus and you ask for a song, it will play it off of the Spotify instead of the hobbled version that you get. You know, we can play samples of Queen from uh, Amazon. right? But no, it's just, it works a treat. It's great. And the other thing that I I got a little bit last week, but I really love now, and again, Apple Music, I love that I can be on whatever device, choose the dingus I want to send it to, and then control the music from inside the app. I love this because <laughs> you know Sonos is not a super fun app to use. Sorry, Sonos. Right. Right. But um, whether that's so- whether that's the computer that I'm on right now, the uh, Echo that's just across the room from me, or like a, a, an array of Sonos at home, or you know whatever, you just do, grab it in a little grabber and say send it to here, and it works. It's so it's just like what you would want this thing to be. I, I feel like I've got Stockholm syndrome from Apple Music, you which. Know, <laughs> So Apple Music, like Hulu, is an okay-fine service with a horrible interface. It's just not fun to use Apple Music. And also, you know, Spotify is kind of the PC of music services. Like, everybody sure. has it. Everybody knows right. it. So every time I would put out a, you know, sometimes I'll do playlists for reconcilable differences, erotic on the line. Everybody's like, can I get this on Spotify? And luckily, there are little mungers out there that will turn one into the other. Things like Stamp. But you can do also do it on a playlist-by-playlist playlist basis. But um but yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, hey, thumbs up, Spotify, really liking it so far. I don't I don't think I'll cancel Apple, cancel Apple music. It's not like surpassingly expensive, but um I don't know. I certainly see the appeal and not to beat a dead horse or a, a barely alive horse, but I can see why people are frustrated this won't work on HomePod. I mean I get their dumb reasoning on why they don't do it, but man, that's that's so weird. It's like coming up with your own electric jack or something. Like we already have one that works. Like why do you have to do this? It's so odd.
1: Yeah, I've been um there was a couple of reviews that I was reading about the home pod recently, and I don't I don't have one and I don't I'm not planning on getting one, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious about what people are having to say about it. And, you know, one of the things that, um,
0: they'll say the same thing. Everybody's struggling to find something to say about it. And everybody says pretty much the same two things. It sounds really good and it's fine. Everybody's struggling to have an angle on this. And they're all like, it's a really good sounding speaker. That's fine. Like I like it. It's fine. Right. I think there aren't that many people. I mean, if you've been so hobbled by crappy sounding music, that this is a revelation to you, well, welcome to the world of what are called speakers. Right. On the other hand, if you expect it to do anything smart, just learn to enjoy what it is. You know, and then, of course, there's the, oh, all the apologists running out, not apologists, your friends, who run out afterward and like, well, it does what they said it was going to do. And it's like, well, yeah, it does. It seems fine. It's fine. It's not awesome, but it's fine. <laughs> if you want a really good speaker, there have been good speakers since the 50s. Like that's not a new thing. But like everybody's saying, well, again, like, it's
1: just, it's just like the Apple watch comes out and people are like, I can put this thing on my wrist and I can like, just see
0: what time th- it is by looking down. I can, yeah. It's just like now as I as know as what I time my it wrist is. First. Yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, but, but I feel like that that's sort of like, this is what people are experiencing. You can have a thing that like sits on your table and sounds like good, but you like, can't
0: play five sides of the street title. Like, so like if you're going to go, Hey, this is a really great <laughs> high quality speaker. Okay. That's cool. So like, where's all the ways to play on your, well, you can always use airplay. Um, okay. That's kind of a hack for somebody who's an audiophile, right? To have no hardware inputs, have it just be airplay and go like, well, that's our sweet solution. Our sweet solution is like, you can stream it from your phone, like an animal, you know? I mean, like you just, it's just, it's so, it seems so, God, I love you guys, but it just seems so disingenuous to find all of these ways to turn this into something that's a really big deal. And it's not, it's a, it's, it's a step backward for Siri. It's a step backward in a very obvious sense. Ask anybody who has this device. If you do Hey Dingus into the air, the HomePod will always win. But guess what? The HomePod does less stuff, is capable of doing less stuff with Siri than almost any other device. And yet, that's what it will hear. They've, they've calibrated it so that it will hear you saying Hey Dingus on the HomePod and then say, oh, I can help you with this on a more capable device. By the way, I'm a nice speaker. I'm fine. I don't know. <laughs> it's just strange. Maybe it's the time of year. It's the time of year when dear friends really struggle to find something to talk about in the Apple world. And like, it's, it would be counter revolutionary to say, this is kind of disappointing for $360. It seems to me it's a little disappointing for $360. Right. Right. I mean, (laughs) you can get any variety of really, really good speakers with guess what? This crazy thing called a hardware input. And you could have your Amazon dot like run into that thing. And now guess what? You've got a really good speaker system that runs anything.
1: I have a friend who does that. They've got their um, Amazon dot hooked up to a really nice Bose uh, system, and it sounds amazing.
0: And yet it has all of the stuff that the Amazon Echo gives you, which is a whole lot. And right. And I, I the thing is, I experimented with that with the Sonos. Again, I did not buy these Sonos. Right. Systems. I remember I that. These were, these were granted to me by a friend. But uh, So you can do that. You could run a dot or a show or whatever, I guess. You could run, um, well, the dot's the cheapy one. It's like, what, 60, 80 bucks. You could run a dot into the line in on the big boy Sonos. It will not work on all of the Sonos, but on that big fat one that looks like, an, like a Bose speaker. You can do that. But, I never found a way to have it automatically detect what I wanted it to be. I would still need to go into the Sonos app and say, "Please play this into the out of the uh, the auxiliary jack." Like have that be the one that wins, which is you know not an awesome solution, right? But, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I'm am I'm, you know, I'm, gosh, I'm so boring. I'm so boring. I'm, I'm such a such a normie, but I'm just very satisfied with the Echo family. The stuff that I. Say, like
1: isn't that weird though, to be like completely satisfied with some piece of technology? It's
0: incredibly freeing. To not, I, I, I'm, I'm on a podcast, so I'm obligated to give you my lack of opinion about things. I have a lack of opinion about the HomePod. The, the amount of opinion I have of it is it sounds like a really nice speaker. That's not worth $360 by a long shot. There we go. That's my hot take, but it's really nice to just go. I walk by and I go blah, 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 blah. It says Sure. I'll play you somebody to love by Queen from Spotify. And it just does it. I don't know how it gets my marble mouth commands and somehow knows what I want all the time. I get multiple, multiple timers running, just dumb stuff, dumb 1940s stuff. Like, you know, tell me when the boiled eggs are done. And it does that. It's even got this great. This is kind of subtle, but <clears throat> if you say to your Echo device, you say, Hey, Dingus, set a pasta timer for 10 minutes. That device will ring a ding-ding until you t- say, you know, um, thing is stop right? It'll say, the timer, da 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 right? The other thing is, though, you can do, oh, jeez, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll screw it up, but I think it's you say, remind me. And if you say, I believe it's, or yeah, I believe it's remind me, and you say, remind me to d d at this time, you'll also get a pop-up on your phone. So there's some subtlety to it. It's not just a dumb pile of time-based stuff. It's got some subtlety and some usefulness in your life. Like it, it doesn't require – the thing that's nice about the Echo, it, say what you will about Amazon, deedly, deedly, d dee, file a bug. But like what it, – it, it does the stuff that you need to do in a variety of different contexts. It's always there to kind of take it for you, mm-hmm. do the thing you need to do. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's a no-look device. I don't have to look to make sure it worked. When's the last time you did something with Siri on your phone without looking at the screen? Mm-hmm. Honestly. You got to I, look at it. Oh, I don't. I, I I have to do that. I say, I say, uh, check in. Like so, I put our daughter to bed, and I always check on her in like ten or fifteen minutes. And I didn't get my my ding a couple nights ago. And I looked down. It was because I had said, "Remind me." The same thing I say every night. Remind me to check on Ellie in ten minutes. And there was my reminder: check on Ellie for ten o'clock, ten p.m. Now I do that. A lot. I know machine learning is a slightly different kind of thing, and this rant is already boring me. But that's the <laughs> thing about the Echo family of stuff. It's like it just sits around waiting to do stuff for you. I said, I said two words to my Echo on Friday night because Friday night is sushi night. And I said, hey, Dingus, reorder chopsticks. And on the, the very, very, uh, very cool Echo show – I really like the Echo show and I really like the Echo spot – if I were going to recommend one to somebody, the Echo Spot, I think, is the one to get. I think it's the best overall device so far. But I, the show is in our kitchen. And I said, reorder chopsticks. <laughs> and guess what? It popped up. Is this the thing that you want to reorder? You click and it's done. The entire thing took maybe eight seconds. Like, That's so cool. Say what you will about my dumb life and the stupid ecosystem of stuff. But like it is basically there to do things for you. And it does not require you to bend your will or your mind. To do it. You, yeah, you need to learn a little bit of incantations if you wanted to use skills in particular. But a surprising amount of time you can, and this is where it's funny, because this is a little bit like using a Mac back in the day, where everybody knows the joy. Anybody who's used a Mac for 10 years knows the joy of just trying something for fun and it does what you expected. And that's kind of what the Echo is for me. I'll just say stupid stuff to the Echo and it very rarely fails me. It did not know who Sam Nunberg was, it gave me Bing res- or gave me like a Google results for that. It could not tell me how old he is, 36, believe it or not. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know. That was longer than I expected. So yeah, Stamp, check out – I think it's in notes. Check out Stamp uh, as a way to move your various lists. It's, it's a pretty neat well, app. Let me ask you, why, yeah. why,
1: are, you keeping, why are you keeping both, uh, Apple Music and Spotify?
0: That's a really good question. Um, a lot of times – oh, I'm so not proud of this. I have a lot of stuff that I pay one to two digits for per month. Because there's a bunch of stuff where I'm just on that level of, of ugh, I could, I could get away with canceling this, but like I still have a shared hosting account I pay for because I think my friend's email is still on there. And I know there's some MySQL databases for my friend's forum that I've never gotten off of there. And it's just at that point of resistance where I'm like, it's going to be more hassle for me to have email communications with this person. I'm... Understand, I'm not proud of this, but I think everybody's got these, maybe for single digits a month. It's just, I don't know what I'm going to undo. One time, I went in and added tethering to my AT&T account. And guess what? I lost my grandfathering Oh, for you're, unlimited, you're data.
1: unlimited data. Oh, my I've God. I've been so
0: habituated to not upset the Jenga pile with mm-hmm. services. Like, <laughs> I don't want to lose all my iTunes match stuff. Like, And then what am I on most of the time? You know, an iOS device managing all of that Apple related stuff on iOS is not a, is not a joy. There's lots of authentications and reauthentications and go into here. And now I got to you two factor into this and there's all this stuff. And I'm just like, it's like PayPal. I just want to keep my hands away from the mouth. There's not a giant amount of money involved with PayPal, but I just don't want it screwed up because then I got to deal with it. (laughs) And I have all these services. I'm paying a little bit of money for each month. Not proud of that, but like where there is some benefit to me having it. Um, And also, I'm just not a hate quitter. I'm not, I mean, I used to be a hate quitter. I used to be the kind of person who had to like have a big announcement about why they were very sad about how they've been let down. And alas, alas, open letter to the world about how I've been disappointed by commerce. I'm just not that guy anymore. And uh, I will periodically go through my finance app, look at everything that's a web subscription, and I will shave a surprising amount of money off. But uh, to answer your question directly, it still has value to me, um, Apple Music, The iTunes match still has value to me, even though it's pretty broken for me. I think I cling to it because it's a little piece of old Apple and a little piece of old me. There's a lot of my music Mm -hmm. that's in there somewhere. And even though I don't listen to it, I'm essentially paying for a storage shed that I haven't opened in years. AKA uh, Flickr. Flickr. I still – well, Flickr, the thing is like if you don't pay for your Flickr, you can't do the high-quality downloads. I finally went out and got a script. I think I finally got an app. It's just a hack. It's just a hack. It basically downloads a certain number at a time. I finally got, I think all of my Flickr photos out, but like every year it comes up and like, whatever, $34 a year. And it's like, Oh my kid, I don't want to lose the kid things. Mm -hmm. And I still don't know to a certainty. So absolutely a bizarre psychological phenomenon. But locking is a thing for a reason, you know. The sense of this is so documented in um, psychology and economics: the, our loss aversion. We'll do so much more to avert all, an unknown loss rather than get a known good thing. And I, I am—that's uh, me in spades. Do you, have, do you have stuff like that? Probably not. I'm You're sure that I do. Stuff.
1: I mean, I've got Flickr, but there's all kinds of little things that I've gotten that I'm like, oh, I just don't want that to go away, so I'm going to keep it. Yeah. But I'm trying to eliminate that, you know, because like it, like you're doing, like you're downloading everything from Flickr. Like, I just need to do that. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that stupid script in Python or I modified somebody else's script in Python years ago and did it. And then, like, I don't know where I, where I put that archive. So, like, I need to do it again. But I'm just trying to move away from that kind of dependency on services that could, you know, could go. Away. I mean, everything could go away. But, you know, it's.
0: Yeah. The, the downside, though, I mean, there's definitely the financial part. If you are being – here we get into Daniel Kahneman's fast and slow thinking. If you're in the slow thinking of it's crazy for me to be spending a lot of money each month on something I don't need or use, that's absolutely true. And you would, you would benefit financially from no longer having those things. But there's also this psychological component of like how many of those things are there? Where do I even start? Do I even want to know how much money is being wasted $5 at a time? And sometimes you won't notice it. It'll be something that pops up after a year. So, yeah, I, I, like I say, I look at my financial app. I will go into subscriptions when it occurs to me every month or so. I go into subscriptions and make sure I'm not still on some dumb weather app that's no longer mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, right, right. Because All that that's kind of stuff.
1: And that's it. It's actually getting much harder to manage that kind of stuff. You know, both uh, the Apple uh, iCloud section and Android has its own section. And, you know, they'll show you like what subscriptions you have and like dark sky, what is it? Like $2 a year or $3 a year or something like that. But like those little charges too. Right. And those things start adding up. And I mean, it makes sense to me. We talked about this, I think just last week about like, um, uh, Twitterific and Tweetbot and and apps like that that come out where we are
0: like, you know what, put out, put out a new version of drafts every year and let me pay premium. Right. Let me buy it. And I think
1: some of them have just said, well, we're, we're not going to do that. But like, for the premium stuff, you've got to have a subscription. And to get the good stuff, you've got to have a subscription. And that just ensures that like all their users are going to pay them once a year. Very little... You know, but like, it's nice to know that like, what am, what am I spending all this money on? Uh, right. okay. So it's, it's Hulu and, uh, Spotify and Netflix and sometimes HBO and, you know, like that right. stuff does add that, up. It and does I think- add
0: up. I'm just trying to make a case that I know the case that's easy to make. And as you're listening to this, the case to make is Merlin's being an idiot for wasting money, I, which I absolutely am. I want to make a slightly different case for why it's even more unhealthy. The th- reason I think it's even more unhealthy is you don't know what stuff you have you don't know where that stuff is. We talked about this. I feel like we talked about this. I know I talked about this with Syracuse recently, but all the stuff I used to have on Drobo and I'm not sure which set of four naked drives my stuff. Right. Is on. Yeah.
1: We taught, yeah. You mentioned that last yeah, week, yeah. Like, what, which yeah. causes
0: me a lot of stress. Um, and then I started to think like, do I even want to put these into the device? Like what if I put these in wrong and it starts overriding one of them? Cause it thinks it's a new drive. And like, I think the psychological damage of having all your stuff in all these different places can be far worse. And I think backups are another good example of that where you're like, I know it's here somewhere or I suspect it's here somewhere. And that's not the same thing as, yeah, yeah, we're talking about zip disks. Yeah, that was here. But that that sense of knowing that like, well, I have this cloned hard drive at home and I have this cloned hard drive at work, you know, super duper. And I I used to do that. I was really good about it. Like monthly, I would rotate those. Never had much need to ever go back and redo it, but I always knew exactly what I had. Now I have an embarrassment of riches. Look at something like Plex and all the Mm -hmm. different things you can put in different places. There's a blob of information that equals this Marx Brothers movie, but I don't know exactly where it is. I, I mean I couldn't like grab it with my hand and say this is a Marx Brothers movie because it's just a bunch of bits all over the place mm, right? so I mean th- that to me the money part sure keep an eye on that that will tend to govern itself at some point but the other part is like well this is just today like where will we be in five years without outsourcing our eels to various you know companies scattered throughout <laughs> California That's that's the really kind of upsetting thing to think about is right. like you know, if if you start to lose track of where all your stuff is, I mean, like you say, let alone being able to go in and grab an individual backup from a different, a certain time right. from iCloud. I don't know. I think the psychology, the money is definitely interesting. It's very related, but I think the psychology is a big part of it too. Is like you know, I've, I've I've got these like eleven sets of suspenders and belts, but like I don't know which one is actually the one that's holding up my pants at this point. <laughs> I've outsourced my suspenders. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sharks. my name is Robert Suspenders.
1: Oh, you know there's a big speaking of shark tank there is a big thing uh it's been circulating around that uh ring was just bought by Google right um for was it two billion dollars or some some
0: google or Am- Amazon
1: Amazon thank you yeah I Amazon Amazon. yeah, I think you're right, yeah, the turf
0: wars I- there are getting crazy
1: but to you know for whatever it was that it was however many billion it was you know this was a this was a project that the the sharks turned down
0: oh oh and, right yeah and, people were
1: telling us about this yeah, yeah and everyone's like oh the sharks they, they're not so smart after all but like you can't you can't base it on that like the, it's, it's a, TV a lot of it, show
0: you guys it's a tv show it is a tv show that's and it's all also walking around that's a walking around money to all of those people <laughs> you know? it's it's, uh, it's it's a game it's like can mark make kevin look silly this week that's what the show is about it's not about them actually trying to increase their portfolio it's free publicity and like just a fun thing like people put so much importance into that show it's bananas but people sure, right, like their, the their show it's a good show what if they if they had invested how much would they have now
1: oh, I, I don't know something it would bananas, be a lot though, of money. right yeah it would be a lot of money
0: Yeah. Well, and the one, two punch, I I have not read much about this. I've just seen the headlines, but the one, two punch, if memory serves in the last week was that first Amazon was acquiring ring, which is their second, at least their second acquisition of a doorbell related company in the last year. And then the the two punch was that now Amazon is no longer going to carry any nest products, which I find kind of concerning. It's already really weird that you can't buy a Google play. There's all kinds of stuff you can't buy on Amazon, um, you know, if you go search – like I think if you go search for Google Play on Amazon, you will find their competitive products and HDMI cables basically. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of concerning. That's not a, that's not a good look for Amazon. I, again, I get why they would do that. Same way I get why Apple won't let Spotify on the HomePod, but right. it's not a good look from a consumer perspective. If you've got some competitive – in a place that is meant to be the uh, the Alibaba of America, the place where you can get everything fast and cheap – Except for the things that we regard as competitors.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You can get everything unless we make one of that. You can buy and- a Google
0: Play gift card, and you can buy USB C cables. If you search for Google Play, that's what you get.
1: If you search oh, no, Amazon.
0: Yeah. No. Yeah. I think it's weird. I think it's weird. I think it's that's the kind of thing that, that I think should be concerning. There's other people talking about like I don't do the sh- I don't do the go to store shopping for our family. But um, a lot of people have been complaining about the quality at Whole Foods since the Amazon acquisition. Have you noticed any difference? Uh, no,
1: I haven't. Um, it seems exactly the same that it did before, with the exception of the little Amazon sort of kiosk thing where you can buy uh, an Echo uh, in, right there in little. Not, I shouldn't even call it a kiosk, it's a stand.
0: Mm-hmm. That has
1: Amazon stuff in, you know, like the, the dots and the shows and the inside Yeah, that, inside that, that, of that does seem case. so
0: strange. We, we, uh, we mainline that when we were, we were down in San Jose um, a couple weeks ago for just a little weekend away. And they had an, there's an Amazon bookstore right near where we were staying. Have you ever seen that? Mm. It's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like you go in.
1: Okay, there is one being built in the rock row section of the domain, but it's not open yet.
0: Amazon bookstore. So it's pretty wild. You go in there and of course in the window they've got all the different dinguses and devices. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of a funny thing because you can scan like they don't mind you like scanning stuff and adding it to your cart and I was able to uh, check out using my phone. It was pretty wild. Amazon.
1: Amazon. It's the mm-hmm. future. You know, I I think Amazon just wants to listen. Mm. Amazon wants to own your door. This is what they want. They want to own your door. They want to control and own any packages or boxes or Oh, in a, in a
0: really big sense of like what comes, what comes sense. in and out of your house.
1: That's what they want. That's what Amazon – Google wants to know what you do and, uh, and what you look at and what you use and where you go, right? Um, Amazon wants to own your door – Facebook wants to control what you see and think and read and uh, I don't know what Twitter wants.
0: Amazon uh, headline from Gizmodo. Amazon is exploring checking accounts for the young and unbanked this week.
1: They, yeah. Makes sense. That's an interesting un- way to un- put it. I, really,
0: I like that. That's really good.
1: Unbanked.
0: Unbanked. Well, banks suck, man. Banks are the worst. Banks are like, like a bad, bad friend. It's so weird if you You think have such about- an intimate relationship with them and they treat you so poorly. And they just got away with it. It was like it was like comic stores and camera shops for years. Like banks just get away with the most banana stuff because you've got to have them.
1: Banks. That's what the credit union's all about. I remember a friend of mine was uh, used a credit union when I lived in Florida. And uh and like I'd always say, he's like, Oh, you know, I gotta, gotta go buy the credit union today. I'm like, again? He's like, Yeah, i got to I'm like, why do you deal with this it was like backwards technology they didn't have any website they didn't have like a 800 number you could call everything had to be done between the hours of like 10 and 3 on wednesday and i'm like what's the point of a credit union he's like oh it's personal and they treat you nicely i'm like yeah but if you need help at like 9 p.m on a saturday you're out of luck yeah i don't think i don't know what the answer is maybe it's amazon maybe they're the future bank Maybe banking.
0: I um, to quote Andy Dwyer. I, I don't know. I don't know the meaning of this, and I feel like at this point it's too late for me to ask. But I've never really understood exactly what a credit union is. It's a bank for a certain kind of vertical market, right? Like teachers, electricians. I think.
1: I think so, or at least that. It's like, it's is a kind of a
0: community bank?
1: Yes, it is. A com- it is a community bank, and so in theory, it is like um, what they call. It's like a member-owned bank it's like Like a a co-op okay like a Mm co-op makes sense and uh and and so i don't know how that works like i don't understand like if i go and open an account at a credit union i guess i own some of that or i get a voting rights or something but i don't know what i'm voting for right (laughs) what am i what am i owning what do i really own but it's apparently it's designed to be like it's not a nonprofit, I don't think, but it's not for-profit, whereas right. banks are for very, very, very much, much for-profit. For profit. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's whatever, whatever other differences come out of that, that's the main distinction.
0: I don't know. It's all okay, it, says,
1: it says they elect their board of directors in a one-person, one-vote system, regardless of their amount invested. Hmm. They're different from mainstream banks with a mission to be community oriented and serve serve people, not profit. There Sounds you go. Like Some
0: kind of commie operation to me.
1: I don't. I don't believe in it. I think it's
0: horrible. Hmm. Um. Did you want to tell me about uh, one more thing that you like? Me? Yeah. Maybe you could tell me about something you like, and then maybe we could answer a listener question. I will
1: tell you about FreshBooks.
0: FreshBooks. Talk about Fresh money. FreshBooks. Woo.
1: They they know how to deal with money. That's mm. what FreshBooks is all about. They're especially uh beneficial to freelancers small i would say medium-sized businesses and they're going to save you time that's what it comes down to they make it really really easy to send invoices to get paid to to track your expenses and to communicate with the contractors that might work with you with the clients that you're invoicing Uh, it's a beautiful system it's been around for a long time they not that long ago uh, rebuilt it from the ground up based on how their users were using it. They said, "We know what people are wanting to do here. We're going to make it easier than ever for them to do." That's so
0: nice of them to do that.
1: The stuff that they, yeah, because they it was, could it was,
0: say, "We don't care what you want to do." It could be, they could they be could, like, let's be honest, a bank and could say, "We'll do could whatever we damn well please." But that's not what—that's not the path they chose.
1: With their feet up on the desk,
0: mm-hmm. like, what are and, you going to do? What are you going to do?
1: Right. You're already like paying us money. We don't need to do anything to make this better. But that's not their attitude. They do make it better. They do care. So you can go to freshbooks.com slash back to work. Back to work. And uh, you enter the code back to work in the how did you hear about us uh, section. And we'll get credit for sending you over there. But you're going to get a a, a 30-day unrestricted trial. Full access. every, Every single square inch of FreshBooks will be laid before you. For your access. And you can you can get in here. You can use the app. I use the app. Mm-hmm. You can use the website. I use the website. You're going to start sending professional invoices in like 30 seconds. Two clicks, you got yourself set up to receive payments online. So when your customer's like, can I pay by credit card? The answer is yes, you can. You can do that now. You can pay me by PayPal, credit card, whatever. They make all of this stuff happen you can message with your clients. You can communicate.
0: You can track your mobile expenses. You t- have you're, not, a little, you're not chasing them around, Dan. They say, uh, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't even get the invoice. And you're like, you sure did, buddy. You looked at it this time. Like, cross, nice. cross power, my palm.
1: Shekel me. It puts the power, power to the people. Power to the people. Mm. That should be their slogan. So, and great support. Three rings or less. You get a super friendly, no attitude, no BS support person. I think... They're Canadian, mm. and that's why they're so. That's why they're so nice. That's helpful. good to know. Good to know that my you factor you into your decision. Cannot say you can. You could walk up to a Canadian on the street. I'll edit all this out. No, you could walk up to a Canadian on the street and punch him right in the stomach.
0: Right, right.
1: And they'll say
0: they won't do it. They won't do I'm anything. S- I'm apologize. so sorry. I'm, sorry, sorry. I'm so my sorry. <laughs> got in the way of your fist. That's what they'll
1: right. Yeah. I, I didn't see your fist was coming, and my stomach was right there. I'm. I should not have had it there. Sorry.
0: It's like yeah. you, like how you're physically incapable of not telling the truth. That's right. It's the same thing with Canadians and punches. I was just thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I know you were. You, you wouldn't be able to tell me otherwise. It would physically that's harm true. you. It's Ow. true. Ow. Ow! Ow! Hurt your life but uh,
1: So don't don't take advantage of their support. No. But if you do need help, three rings or less, and a friendly Canadian will answer the phone and help you out. So hello, go governor? check these. <laughs> is that that's hello, ki- that's, hello,
0: hello. that's me, the Canadian, Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> They're all from Scotland. They're all from Scotland. <laughs>
1: That's right, These Scotland the Yard. Know, if they answer the phone, and the be, Scotland
0: Yard. Hello, Governor. What's all this, then?
1: Okay, I have a question for you. Yes. It's unrelated. I'll you know. ask after the spot. But let's uh, let's have everyone direct their attention to FreshBooks.com/slash/back-to-work. Enter the code back-to-work. Thirty-day unrestricted trial. Thanks very much to FreshBooks for making this show possible. Merlin Man.
0: Woo, FreshBooks, Buck Buck. Yes, you had a question.
1: Okay, so here's something. I'm I'm still learning this, so bear with me. Yeah. Um, Scotland
0: oh, and God.
1: England are different things. True or false. They're not the same you don't, place. You don't want to do this. You don't want okay. to do this. No, th- um, that's not where I'm going. If mm-hmm. that's true, why is it called Scotland yard? If it's in London, mm. that's just dumb. Yeah. No one can answer this for me. It's not Scotland. Scotland doesn't, it's not owning a yard. It's nothing.
0: Yeah. They do not even call it a yard. They call it a garden. They say Scotland, in the, in the, in the, no, 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 not, no. Scotland's not a garden, but they'll say you say you don't say front yard, you say you, you're in your front garden. Same way they say holiday, when they mean vacation, like a person on holiday, yeah, or in hospital. Obligatory link to the difference between the United Kingdom, Great Britain, and England explained.
1: But I just want to know about 12 Scotland Yard. Million
0: views, twelve million views. Scotland Yard. Let's learn about Scotland Yard. Scotland, uh, Scotland, Scotland Garden, as we call it. Now Covent Garden is not a yard. I think that's where the BBC is. I'm not sure. Scott, Scott, New Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. Marvin Barry. Scotland Yard is a metonym for the headquarters of uh, Metropolitan Police, like in hot fuzz, the territorial police force. So this is for uh, now owned by Oh, Scotland Yard building is now owned by Indian billionaire Yusuf Ali, MA, Master of Arts, chairman of Lulu Groups International. <laughs> Scotland Yard is owned by Lulu. (laughs) Lulu. Lulu. Is Lulu different from Lulu Lemon? Liz Lemon? Lulu. Billionaire Yusuf Ali, M.A. So you know, you know he went to college and stuff. His full name is Yusuf Ali Musalam Vitil Abdul Kader. He's 62 years old. He's from India. He's the founder of the Lulu Group international and lulu international shopping mall let's learn about the lulu international shopping mall is that in scotland yard scotland garden covent Coven yard abu abu dhabi abu dhabi lalu lulu lulu abu dhabi lulu dallas MultiPass, <laughs> lulu international shopping mall <laughs> mm. so why is it called scotland yard if it's in london right <laughs> jeez these guys over here
1: Previously a private house, 4 Whitehall Place, backed onto a street called Great Scotland Yard.
0: Name derives from the location of the original Metropolitan Police Headquarters at 4 Whitehall Place, which had a rear entrance on a street called Great Scotland Yard. Great Scotland Yard. Now, while let's dig a little deeper. Great Scotland Yard is a street in the St. James... St. James... St. James... St. James... St. Smythe. St. James... Um, upper-class twit of the year. Greg... Great... Three... To Great Scotland Yard is a street in the St. James District of Westminster, London, connecting Northumberland (laughs) Avenue and Whitehall. Whitehall, I think that's where Jack the Ripper was. It's best known as the location of the rear entrance to the original headquarters of the Metropolitan Police Service, given it the name Scotland Yard. Okay, so it's a street, basically. It's a street, but not a garden. Right? It's a mettony. Look at
1: this picture of it. It's dreary. Look at that.
0: Lulu. Loo, Lulu Group, Lulu Group International. Okay, hypermarket chain and retail company headquartered in Abu Dhabi. <laughs> Lulu, Lulu's <laughs> based Abu, in Abu, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. Dhabi Lulu. MultiPass. Lulu Lulu, Lulu Hypermarket is one of the divisions of Indian multinational conglomerate company Lulu Group International. Lulu <laughs> has over forty thousand employees of various nationalities. <laughs> They're a limited liability company. Lulu limited liability. <laughs> Lulu high. Hi. Lulu limited liability Abu Dhabi, Lulu Hypermarket. Yusuf Ali MA. Lulu. <laughs> Lulu Hypermarket Group. What if what
1: if they Lu- listen to the show? They're not they're gonna be upset. Lulu.
0: Maybe we could be acquired. Wholly owned <laughs> subsidiary of Lulu Hypermarket. Okay, Ooh. so it's a, it's a street, and the, head, the police it's headquarters the is on Yard, a street. Scotland Yard,
1: Scotland Garden? So it'd be like saying Broadway. Oh, we got to go to Broadway. Oh, and then all of a sudden, it's yeah, called Broadway. to
0: Broadway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they say hospital, not the hospital. Ugh. It's a cupboard, in, cupboard, not closet. In hospital. In hospital. In hospital. I, I went to hospital, hospital in University of Scotland Yard. Lulu Group. Lulu <laughs> Group. Master of Arts. Master of the Dark Arts.
1: <laughs> yeah. Reducto! <laughs> All right. Do your uh, listener feedback.
0: I don't know. I'm tired.
1: So I don't want to do it either. I'm so
0: exhausted at this point. We don't have time for social media. <laughs> Employees in social media. you uh, cranking job. Um, wait. Did you like this one? Listener Monty, who's overwhelmed by stuff? Yeah, I like that. I didn't sure. really have a good answer to this, but it's long, so I thought I could read it. I don't know. I'm really hungry. I should have eaten.
1: Lulu. Well, if you haven't eaten, I don't think we can do the feedback. Uh,
0: we could try. We could try. Okay, let's go for this. Uh, Monty. We'll, M-O-N-T-E. Monte. We'll Montay. Uh, Lulu. Listener Monte, Montay. Uh, he's overwhelmed by stuff. This is kind of long. Individually, oh, sp- yeah. Individually, we spend our days creating a vast amount of material, colon. Media releases, articles, emails, HTML newsletter, blog and Facebook posts, tweets, et cetera. Is, is, this, is he trying to SEO optimize this? The assumption slash hope is that people are reading what we write. In in turn, our colleagues and others send their content to us. If it doesn't show up in our inbox, we visit a news website three or four times a day to find and read the latest articles and updates. To be well-informed and knowledgeable, we are expected to read everything related to our field and our institution. Is the current system working? Are most people effectively consuming all of this content and retaining the information? Does anyone else feel overwhelmed by the amount of information dumped on them daily? Do we find a solution by focusing on what content we choose to create or what content we choose to consume? And then he has an anecdote. Maybe the answer is consuming content on a need-to-know basis. Thank you for the question, listener Monte. Do you have any uh, any uh, thoughts on, on this uh, overwhelming feeling?
1: Well, I agree. I th- I think this it is so easy to become overwhelmed, and we've been training ourselves for so long to have kind of this very scattered point of focus, you yeah. know, where yeah. where distractions are ever present. People have their email application open all day long. They've got IMs coming in. They've got their watch tapping them on the wrist. They've got Twitter. They've got Facebook. Oh, They've got everything. Slack. Yeah, yeah. Slack. Yeah. yeah. And we, we just weren't meant as as beings. I don't think we were meant for this. And we're not really ever giving I think that the biggest issue and maybe maybe at the heart of what he's thinking maybe not. Uh, but, for me, I, I noticed is that we 're not allowing ourselves to have any downtime. I think for a long time, uh, we would leave work and we would go home and at home, you know maybe we would watch TV or listen to music but you,
0: you couldn 't play around on the computer because there was no computer
1: there was no computer, or even if you had one at the most you 're like doing a dial up modem type of thing and and there was this real clear separation that was like computers were tools for doing work on even if your work was you know paid uh typesetting a, a newspaper or whatever mm-hmm. like you know the, and the, of course you had games and things like that but there was a much much bigger separation between that but now and, and lower you know,
0: expectations about volume and oh gosh yes, how, how quickly yes. you would be expected to like star somebody's tutor or whatever i mean imagine if you
1: got paper envelopes with letters in them Equivalent to the number of uh, of emails that you got every day—it's absurd. You would laugh. Right. You just people are laughing right now. Well, well and, they,
0: and they didn't have a, like a, a particularly useful return address. It just right. said stuff and had your name yeah. on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. and and there was no and and it, anyway, what I'm getting to is we don't allow ourselves any downtime from from that. We're in our jobs where we're busy and we're talking to multiple people or dealing with lots of things all day. And then we have these computers in our pockets and on our wrists that we're now looking at at any moment when we might have relaxed in the past, at any moment when we might have looked up and around us, we're now looking down or just at these even, devices. Even,
0: yeah, relax, but also just unfocus to, to have a time right. when, you, um, when you would be bored. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's a little bit complicated. This is uh, this morning, two hours ago, um, New York Times uh, reporter Nick Confessori says, AM workout routine. AM work routine when I graduated college. Sit down, drink coffee, check email, check voicemail. AM work routine now. Sit down, drink coffee, check email, check text, check Slack, Twitter. Check Slack, check Twitter, check Twitter DMs, check Facebook DMs, check Google Hangouts, check Signal, check WhatsApp. And I I, I think that that adequately or um, illustratively captures that feeling of, oh my God, there's so much out there, I don't even know what all is out there. And that caused this kind of meta anxiety about all of the stuff, you know? And in this case, I think, I think uh, listener Monte is talking more about maybe more about Facebooky Twitter type things, right? I mean, I don't think he's talking about like free verse or paintings. I think he's talking about text blasts from your friends mostly, but I, I agree with you. I agree with you. There's, um, I mean, I'm not advocating for this, but it is an interesting idea on that show, uh, the bored and brilliant challenge challenge, bored but brilliant, just go Google bored but brilliant. And it's, it's kind of silly and kind of unnecessarily a little bit pearl clutchy. But the idea is like, you go through this one week challenge of first of all, like not using Twitter, you know, then, you know, spending less time on screens and stuff like that. And with the whole idea or purpose of it being to create opportunities to be bored, We now have to undo all of this stuff we're kind of half doing to begin with in order to open up opportunities to be a little bit bored about stuff because that's when your brain like gets to think about stuff. There's a reason we all have our – many of us feel like we have our best ideas in the shower. Like, yeah, maybe you're listening to a podcast, but it's one of the rare times when you're not actively consuming content, especially with your eyes. I mean I think there's a lot of angles to this to be actually useful maybe. Um, I don't know. I think – there's, there's certainly no dearth of opportunities or outlets for our attention, but I, if you wanted a very, very high-level view of this without respect to what kind of stuff or quality of stuff you're talking about, I mean, one step would be become aware of the things that you you know you care a lot about, whether that's things that need to be tended to or things that are particularly interesting to you. Like You would prefer that in a given week, you spend more time paying attention to this kind of thing than that kind of thing whether that's these friends, this platform, this news site, whatever that is. I mean, I would first try to identify one, two, three things that you know you want to be spending attention on and time. And then you can ask yourself, well, what is it about that's valuable to me? And abstract it a little bit and say, well, this helps me feel like I'm getting closer to my friends. And that gives you the chance to then hypothesize. Well, is this actually getting me closer to my friends? Or am I mainly just hitting this this goddamn button over and over? Mm -hmm, Do you know what I mean? mm Because then, I mean, I feel like this kind of gets us back to the problem of the inbox in some ways, is that, you know, in order for something to be an inbox, it necessarily contains th- contains things that you don't know if you need to do anything about or don't know you need to know about or don't, right? So on the one hand, it's the known the known good things and focusing, trying to maybe not minimize, but reduce the number of outputs you willfully accept into your life of stuff you know is important because that's difficult, but that could be one valuable way is maybe reduce the number of people you follow in that case or make some custom lists on Twitter or however you do that on Facebook. Those could all be very useful. But I think the thing as you get older that can be challenging is to find not just gratifying, but... Um, nu- nutritious and wholesome sources of things you didn't know you needed to care about. And that's where I would say maybe pick up a magazine like, like something like The Economist or something similar where you're going to learn about a POV you didn't even know existed every week it doesn't have to change your behavior or your thoughts, but like, how will you know if there's new things out there, not just new things as in like what's on tech meme today, but new stuff as in like ideas or emerging, you know, movements that you might care about. It doesn't have to be political. It doesn't have to be business. It doesn't have to be anything, but like, where do you go to find out what you should be more curious about and how will you know when you need to be less curious about these other things? Cause you can't have it all. So, I mean, kind of setting aside the personal ramifications of not starring everybody's toot every time they, they fart out a new toot uh, or heart, I guess, as we do today. To me, that, that's, that's, that's one way to be sane about it is to, you know, put on our big boy pants and say we can't have it all. But we, we, have, to be, we have to somewhat curate as a consumer. You normally you mm-hmm. think of curating as a creator, but you could also choose to curate as a consumer of stuff. And there's a million ways into that. You can start keeping a notes file or a text file where you put in interesting stuff you want to check out. So when you have some downtime, you could go do this. I'll tell you a thing I do a lot is it's so easy to add books to a hold list at the library. So I can request a book, and it's usually there in rarely more than three days. Often the next day, a book just shows up. So if there's topics you want to learn about, that's a good way to do it. And then when you go to pick it up at the library, why don't you just wander around the library a little bit? If you haven't done that in a while... I don't know. For me, that was one of my favorite things to do as a nerd kid was just spend three hours at the library. You don't spend three hours, but just go wander around. Go to the comics section, like go to the fiction section, go to like the social studies section, and just go go look around. But like I, my only piece of real advice, to Monty, is like Monty is to be. You don't have to be uh, penurious about your attention, but you do have to acknowledge that it's limited, and that in doing in so doing that in trying to limit your attention, you apply to things. Don't also shut off the idea. That how will you know when it's time to pay attention to something different? If something high quality and super interesting comes along, don't let that be crowded out by the stuff that's just noise. I like that. I do too. That was pretty good considering how hungry it's I am. Really good. Go eat. Yeah, I should probably eat. Um, so thank you to, uh, to listener Monty. We're going to get to this. You know what? We should open with employees and social media next time. We should just jam it into the pipe and see if we can uh, push it back out. I want to push it in and yeah. out of the pipe. In and out, in and out of the pipe. Okay. Let's do it. <laughs> okay, let's button this up. All right. All right, I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.